relationships are pain. Yeah. And then and then the fourth one is you you don't take care of creation. So like things like rhino poaching, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that, that that's the current location of a person who has ran away from God. Then so I'm using the text of Nkulunkulu saying, Where are you when Adam and Eve sinned? Yeah. And then then you then when God was looking for them and also when cut from yeah, so when so the 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 second one your concern. Yeah. So when God when God was asking them where are you, he wasn't asking because he's ignorant of their location. But he was entering into conversation now and he's saying um so the sea mm. the, 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 it's it's more about the question where are you in this regard. It's more about God showing concern, compassion and care for people. He's trying to say, look where you are. Mm. See what a mess you are in. I'm concerned about you. I'm worried about you. I'm anxious about you. I need you to come back. Because remember, they hid from God. Yeah, yeah, and in, yeah. the midst of, in, the, in the midst of them hiding from God, they, they, had to break, they had to break branches. That's creation suffering. Yeah. Adam and Eve are fighting. Mm. Um they hit they saw themselves to be naked that's them now having internal shame yeah so so in that kind of location god comes to them in that kind of kind of location so when god walks into the garden asks where are you it was a it was a movement of compassion of care and then the only reason why then god asked them the other question is the third element which is conversion mm. he said so conversion is literally a fallen person being born again being yeah. restored back into the image of God, so I'm I'm preaching about that tomorrow. But now, but now, just just talking about that, then if I was to put myself like putting myself into maybe let's say Adam's shoes, uh, which he didn't have at that time, but <laughs> putting myself <laughs> in, in his shoes is that uh, you you know what. I feel like I would. It it gives me a vibe, le yaga. Uh, what's his name? Yaga Jonah, where it's like. I I know where I'm supposed to be. But. I don't know if. The wrong that I've done is is small enough for me to continue in that journey because like sometimes you know there's they the moment you're just starting to distance yourself uh from god you you kind of feel like the moment when like okay let me put it this way like on a on a maybe let's say during the week now uh i i i'm distant from god you know and then Come Saturday or come Friday, now I'm trying to kind of get myself into that zone. Okay, now, ooh, I feel like I need to, you know, I need to be close to God because the weekend is coming and Sunday is coming and, you know, I need to say something. But at that point as well, you're just feeling like, but what does it help that I've already distanced myself is is it worth it for me to to kind of come back? Is it worth it for me to 
to continue in this journey or, or how how do I get myself to reconcile with the fact that I, I am still part of this journey, I'm still part of this movement and I'm still moving forward towards God? Well, I think biblically, actually, it's the other way around where one thing of many things that scripture is consistent with, mm. it's always God approaching us. You know, as we move away from God, God moves closer to us. Mm. Um, that's the whole narrative. Remember, in the New Testament, Paul speaks of God as Christ, rather as the author and finisher of our faith. Yeah. Um, in Genesis, the, the text that we are discussing right now, we see the same thing where it's it's God who, when humanity hides from God, God is the one who comes into the garden and asks. We Methodists, we call that prevenient grace. Where yeah. The grace that precedes us, God coming, so that even in the midst of us feeling like we are too far gone, mm. that grace somehow beckons us back and says, well, you're not that far. I mean, though your sins be as scarlet red, I shall wipe them white as mm. snow. Mm. That That is God's um, prevenient grace, always reminding us of the truths of God's redeeming love and care and compassion for us. Um, but yeah, I know that sometimes you just... Um, I, I personally sometimes want to languish in 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 in, in feeling far from God because mm. that somehow for me it's me trying to show God that I'm I'm remorseful I'm repentant um, mm. I know ideally one would quickly want to get out of that painful place but for me I I want to take my time cool yeah because it allows me to be in a in a space of humility before God, in a space yeah. where my my I'm I'm just looking down and I'm taking time to to come to terms with how fragile my faithfulness is and how fragile my my character is and and, and then I look to Christ yeah. for acceptance. Uh, so it's just one of those things where. The good thing about the gospel is exactly that. But God, meaning when we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Oh, Everything. Yeah. Yeah, scripture, yeah. Is, scripture is consistent, Elvis, about how it's initiated, it is preserved, and it's propelled by God right up until we should draw our last breath. That's the good thing about the gospel, is mm. that Christ, Christ has done for us what we could not do for ourselves. Mm. And we must hold on to those promises and quickly come up and come out when we find ourselves in dark spaces. But yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm thinking about our lives. <laughs> As you are saying, the weekend is coming. How awkward because um, a person, typically people our age, when the weekend is coming, God is the last thing they want to think about. You see, yeah, yeah, that's the thing. That's the thing, man. Where for us, that's when we actually start tuning towards having a more a, a more presence of God. You know, it's just it's, it's awkward. And and that's where you find you find yourself facing a lot of a lot of hindrances um, towards you going 
you know, for you going towards God, you know, something just comes up and when it does, it becomes like a, it, it becomes like a, what you call this? I could say a psychological blackmail in lack of a better word, you know, where someone will kind of blackmail you in a sense of, in a very emotional, yeah, actually it's emotional blackmail, I think. And someone will try to get you out of that space, maybe by inviting you over for a bribe or something. And then, you know, you can't say no because now you are trying to, and it's someone who you've been trying to kind of get close, get them closer to God. And at the same time, you're like, but I need this time to to get myself closer to God. There's a there's a there's a book I was reading, uh, August September. Mm. Um, Brother Lawrence. Yeah. Um, he 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 was a, a, a person who. He didn't. He didn't understand mm. the concept of devo- devotional times. Mm. So for him, everything in life was was sacred, mm. and even being in a space of a bride mm. would be somehow walking with God. Mm. Um, I, I I do get what you're saying, and I totally agree. Nami, I I find myself at times where I'm at a loss mm. as to. When do I get to be alone? When do I prepare? When do I mm. devote? Mm. But one thing that oh, oh, Brother Lawrence, he lived in the 1500s mm. or the 1600s, can't remember. He, he had this book, Nyana, that survived. He says, he, he says we, 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 we need to find God even in our daily conversations. Mm. And I've, 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 I've picked that one up, Kaning, where... As 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 I look at, I mean, go back to grade one when we look at the sun or the moon and the stars. Mm. Somehow we marvel at, we marvel at the majesty of God. Yeah. Know? So most deaf, not most deaf, we do get distracted. We do get distracted, but I think as as we grow and we mature in our walk with God, there's a guy called A. W. Tozer. A. W. Tozer. It has been told that it's been told about him that he he would be praying and mm. then the phone would ring. When the phone rang, he would literally get up get up from his knees, answer the call, spend twenty minutes on the call. As mm. soon as he was done, he would drop the call and then literally say, "So God, as I was saying," and then he continues talking. I think that's the kind of um, prayer life we. We, we need, need to try to cultivate. Yeah. Not that we don't. We mustn't have the quiet time. We Methodist, it's important. Yeah. <laughs> um, but also, we need to 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 be in constant communion with God. Um, during tea time, um, lunch break, and in most cases, uh, until you 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 are never outside of the presence of God. You know. Yeah. But yes, at our age, um, and the, the the type of people we are trying to get to come and fellowship with us, 
sometimes might it, it, it might be required of us to to be in spaces where we're neglecting other more mm. pressing issues but it, it i guess it just comes with having discipline to be able to say no if you must or to say okay i'm coming but i won't stay long but but now how do you say how do you say no um you know, you know what other people tend to do. They tend to use this whole thing, Aguti. But you're a you're a preacher. You're a pastor. You're a minister. You you know. And, and Meaning, no. you can't you, you can't say no. They kinda use that as a form to kinda have Emotional things. Yeah, go 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 in their favor. Yeah, but maybe precisely because of that, you could also use that card to say, if you say I'm a pastor, that's precisely why I cannot stay at a bride post this time. Mm. You must turn it around and use it against them. You know, so, no, I won't come. Just, just know that I've got, a, I've got bedtime. I've got a yeah. curfew. Yeah. I need to. Go, I've got an appointment with God at ten o'clock, so I'm leaving at nine. So that by ten, I'm settled. I do that a lot. Mm. Um, I think you've seen that where I will write on my statuses polishing the sermon for tomorrow. Yeah. But I, but I, but I would have been at a rugby game the whole day mm. at um, Lof, Lof, Loftus, you know, <laughs> yeah. or wherever. Mm. So I do that. I also go out. Then, um, yeah. Then out of out of um, interest sake, what practices? Now this is me being vulnerable now. What practices do you do to discipline yourself into reading a book and finishing it? You know, I was, I don't have that. I think it's something that was cultivated in me by my father when I was a child. Mm. So for me, reading is just like sort of something human beings do. I, I just don't see, I, you've been in the same space with me. Yeah. For months, you've seen me moving from the from the lounge and just go to the bedroom and read because it's I get bored when I don't read. So I've been asked the question quite a lot. I never know how to answer it. Um, for me, it's like you go to the gym for your health. Well, the brain needs the book for its health. Uh, but how do you preach if you don't read? You know. Um, one thing I, I, I was I was telling a few of of, of um the the, the, the two Ks today that mm. one of one of the things that politicians got right yeah whether it was intentional or not was the ability to misinform Hitler called it um, Hitler used it a lot propaganda yeah um, because. The human being, one thing that the human being will not do is listen. Mm. Human beings struggle mm. with listening and they struggle they struggle with getting proper information. And so you find that six people can dominate an entire nation mm. simply because they've hid knowledge under plain sight. Mm. You know? So for me, I, I don't want a situation where I'm being convinced of the authenticity of things when they are not really authentic, you know. Mm. I don't want to be convinced of things that to come across as if things are genuine or they are as as perceived whereas they're not. Um 
uh, I don't know. I can make examples of things that everyone would assume that this is facts, but it's not facts. It's just popular knowledge. Yeah. It's not factual knowledge. So I think I've always tried to avoid that, um, Elvis. Mm. I I don't want to think um, because of voice popular. I, I don't want to think because everyone says, maybe let me be controversial. Mm. Um, all lives matters. Black lives matters. And then <laughs> Kanye. You, then, and, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, well, I'm, I'm, I'm with Kanye, by the way. Because once you read the statistics, yeah, you realize that there are far more white people being killed by cops in America than there are mm. blacks. And but because no one actually reads the statistics, we just take what our celebrities say. Yeah, we yeah. assume that it is what it is. So I'm just trying to tell you why I read. Yeah, why yeah. I just I'm not going to wait for the news. Let, let's go to America again. There's. Uh, is it CBS? There's CNN. There's Fox. There's <laughs> there's Fox. Fox. Yes. It depends on what you want to hear. Obviously, it's it's clear that CNN only does Repub- Republicans. Yeah. I mean, only does um, D- um, propaganda Demo- for, for Democrats. Democrats. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So they are not going to tell you the other stuff. Yeah. I, I was just I was watching on YouTube just now about. Um, an American footballer who, when he was interviewed at CNN, mm. was just, he kept saying, no, this award, I thank Jesus Christ for it. And then they're just like, we're losing you, we're losing you, and they, they cut him off. Yeah. He just kept talking about God. Yeah. And they don't want that agenda anymore. Yeah. You know? So, that's why I read Mina Elvis. Honestly, I, I just don't want to be. I, I, and I know this. Most of most cases, I'm alone. When when we are in a in a in, in a group with other people, but it's okay. It's okay because once you start arguing statistics, mm. show me. Let's see this. You know. Yeah. Then you read. Then people start seeing the value of reading. So for me, it's I don't want to be. Let me put it like this. I read Elvis because mm. I don't want other people to do thinking for me. But you want to think for yourself. I think I've, I've been reading. I've, I've been I've been reading. Uh, what do you call this? I've been reading journals of Methodist missionaries. Mm. You know, of Methodist missionaries and uh, almost every person our age, forty you know, takes it for granted that all missionaries were here to take the land. Yeah, yeah, that's the thing. You know, we're not going to tell about how the Methodist missionaries who brought Methodism to Tuana people had to bury his kids. But there was no one. He had to preside and preach and pray over his own child's funeral. Yes. We don't talk about those stories. We don't talk about, we don't read the journals that when they were writing, and you see these people were genuinely um, coming here to spread the kingdom of Christ. Mm-hmm. But we've sort of just allowed it to seep over the fact that they said, let us pray. When we were done praying, we opened our eyes, we had the Bible, they had the land. Mm. How factual that is, there is some truth in it. But there's mm. also the other truth that 
not all missionaries. And this is where, you know, it's actually like with us in our denomination when we will say, well, not all preachers are like that. Mm. We argue that. But once it comes to the early missionaries, we somehow just forget that not all. It's, but people who don't read, they, they tend to accept blanket statements. I, I, one, one day, one day, one day when we're together, I'm going to tell you a story about, um, about how the impact that the Methodist missionaries played, the, the role that they played in, in actually in, in my family, in my family's legacy, and how it even it dates back to my great, 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 great grandfather. That's on my mother's side. And yeah, there's, there's, a, there's a major role that the Methodist missionaries played. And if I'm not mistaken, I think John Wesley was part of that group. Uh, but yeah, I'll tell you the story one day. Oh, okay. We'll sit down and tell you, which is why kind of like Method, Methodist Church has, be, has become more, more of a, uh, a very important place in my heart as compared well, I mean, to... I, mean, I think we, we, can, we can all share the same stories around... Um, around... Uh, how our families they they there's a story it's 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 it's, it's popular mahamba in swaziland where mm. methodist missionaries were chased out by the king who was incumbent at the time yeah and then they returned and then they settled at i think it's edendale in natal west but what they don't say is that there are other families who stayed just in the borders of south africa yeah um, or what today is part of South Africa. But that was my actual family. Like, I'm a descendant of that family that housed those who stayed. And my great-great-great-grandfather was one of the people who welcomed them into their home. And so Methodism has been in my family for well over a century or so. Mm. Um, so we, we all have those stories. I think... Mina, you know mine when I think about how, just how confused our church is currently. <laughs> and when, when one wants to leave, you just feel like a whole lineage you're about to destroy. You, you know. know. But, but then you come to terms with the fact that, no man, but ultimately we are loyal primarily and first and foremost to Christ. Yeah, that's true. Once you feel like the current expression of Methodism in South Africa is not faithful to Wesleyan orthodoxy. Orthodoxy, it's definitely not faithful to his vision of spreading scriptural, biblical Christianity. The, you the, just, yeah. The lack of polity. Yeah, yeah. Um, so you just you find yourself saying like, hey. I wish I could leave, but you can't because yeah. your mom was that, your dad is that, yeah. he's that, oh, and they are dead. And, and it's a whole. And then document our church has proper doctrine and document. Yeah, yeah. Whether it's translated in, in, in the pulpit, it's a whole different ballgame. You know, the whole. That's so true, man. And 
one thing that I that I've realized is that the the leaders of the church uh, are really taking this for granted and if we do not if they do not pull up their socks we will see the downfall of the Methodist church and I'm very afraid of that which is one of the things I don't think we will see it as a future event Elvis we are living in it. Um, we are definitely living in it. Uh, we are definitely living in it. Uh, unless somehow God just extremely intervenes. But we are definitely living in the destruction of the Methodist Church. You know, this you must see it like the Titanic where Yo. it took a, it took a couple of hours for it to sink. But the point is it was sinking. Yeah. In the minute... In the minute it hit the iceberg, yeah, it, it continued to flow, but it was sinking. That's just the fact with the MCSA, my brother. It's sinking. We're just taking long, but the bottom of the sea, we will arrive. Unless somehow a helicopter comes and quickly does some welding on the side of the ship, and then it floats up again. And that is what we call Dias Ectas Intervenas in Latin, where God has to just literally do an uh, uh, an intervening act of some sort so do, do you know? speaking about your, your sermon as well uh and kind of colorating all these things together do you do you then think that the methodist church is acting as an adam and eve um mm. well essentially yes if 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 you are going to see it that way you know um it it is like that we 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 have been promised remember how this whole thing happens mm. just that now when we're discussing the sermon we're just gazing over it you know mm. um but it, it starts with the devil creating doubt mm. Mm. did god really say mm. now the, the the word say in this instance must the word of god must be doubted Mm. So the, the 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 decadence and the decay of the Methodist Church comes from a church that is largely, to use a fancy word, largely apostate, meaning it has just simply discarded itself, distanced mm. itself from the gospel. Mm. And the gospel, unfortunately, finds expression in the word of God. Mm. The, 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 the first way for a church to become apostate is for it to undermine the authority of scripture. Mm. And then as far as I've checked in our denomination, we, we have, um, we have so many things that are contrary to the express word of God. Mm. Um, and that is what the devil did to Eve. Did God say, so, that's that, that 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 is what the Bible is trying to teach us in that Genesis narrative that the day we doubt what God has said, that's the day society suffers. Mm. And society is largely suffering because human beings rebellion happened. 
we are rebelling, you know. Um, but whereas they did say, I do not fear that the people called Methodists will ever cease to exist. Yeah. But they will exist as a dead sect. And he says this will happen if they lose the discipline and the doctrine and the spirit in which the first set out. Okay. That That is a prophecy by John Wesley, a fear sort of. Mm. And he says discipline and doctrine, you know, um, and the primary which was salvation, sanctification. He says the grand depositum, which means the cherry on top of Methodist, mm. is sanctification, doctrine of holiness. Mm. But I can promise you, you haven't heard a sermon on holiness in five years, if not ten, in your church. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> I feel like I can even push it to 15 years. Eh? Woo! <laughs> You've heard? Although I've heard, heard a lot. Although I've heard of sermons of social mm. holiness. Yeah, well, I was about to say that you've heard a lot about outreach. You've heard a lot about outreach, I'm sure. Yeah. Um, you know, and this is where I'm saying we we, we largely now uh, feel good worshipping NGO. You know, we sing as we do outreach. We just sing. Mm, 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 mm. And, 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 and we have even changed our doctrines to suit yeah, well, hmm. the people. Tina, Tina, Tina as a church, we, to, we are always conforming to the world. Hence, I'm saying to you, it's sinking. We just, it hasn't sunk yet. But it is sinking. Slowly, but surely. Read the statistics. Uh, um, check. I'm an evangelist. I'm obsessed with numbers. Yeah. Check the statistics year in, year out. Our annual returns are decreasing rapidly, by the way. So people are not creating a hellabaloo. What's happening is we're just losing the, the, the so-called evangelicals of our church. Those who, because our church is largely now a place of liberal theologians. Mm. So people just, they just leave and go to the Baptist church. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I could but think, I mean, uh, you know, you know, you know what, um, there's this thing that we, we do here, um, with the confirmation kids where we visit other churches and we visited the Baptist church the last time. This church is very small. Um, and one of the kids was like from next year. She's going to start going to the Baptist church. Yeah. And I was like, um, I'm not going to stop you. And I'm not going to stop her from going there because she feels like she's at home there. My, my main, my main focus. And, and this, this is the thing for me. I think our main focus has become too much of let's try and bring people in. But it's no longer the thing of let's try and get people closer to God. We're not giving them a kingdom mentality. I, I think I think that that for me, Elvis, you know, me personally, I can tell you, my alternative to the Methodist Church will be the Baptist Church. <laughs> yeah, but that's because in the Baptist Church, 
you, you know, I, I I know, and this is unfortunately something where I I I maybe stand alone, mm. but I think the one thing that you get from churches like Baptist and Faith Mission and Assemblies of God is you are taught about the person of Christ who needs to be loved, yes, and who can be loved and can be known, wants to be known, desires to be known. You know, um, whereas in our church we. We are almost exclusively just taught about a Jesus who is to be served. Yes. Now, while service is necessary, but you cannot serve a master that, and this is why um, Jesus was against it himself. Like, no, you will love the other and despise the other. Mm. So even, mm. even, even in the context of servanthood, there must be love. Mm. For the person, mm. for the person who are serving. So, you know, we are taught so much about serving that we are not taught what it is to have intimacy with Christ. What does it mean to have holy relation with Christ? What what does it mean to be saved, to be born again? Yes. How does, you know, I don't know if you get what I'm trying to say, that even Christ didn't want a situation where we are serving but not loving them, him as a master. Mm. And this is what I think the Methodist Church is largely failing. And this is why a lot of people, the, the, the day there's a mistake and they go to a Baptist or some evangelical church, mm. they feel like for the first time they're hearing the gospel. Mm. Because we are so oversaturated with social holiness that <laughs> we've forgotten how to... We, we are not told about having an intimate, immediate, and personalized relationship with Christ. Expressing itself, yes, that expresses itself socially. It must do that. I I, I want to emphasize that, Elvis, it must do that. Yeah. But it must, it must be expressing itself from a fountain of being alone with Christ. Yeah. Having time with Christ being shaped and molded and challenged by Christ in your own private, solitary space, you and a loved one, that relationship where you and Christ. But now it's largely unknown. And this is why, Elvis, that we would do outreach, but our own personal lives, to use the Zulu word, the shameful things we do simply means we, 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 we are equipped more on serving than on knowing Christ. Hmm. And know, this is where I can I can tell you Methodist church is largely failing its people. You know, <clears throat> you know one person uh, I was actually listening to a podcast uh just before I called you and this gent was just saying that um you you find people that that read so many books and yet they don't change um because they are so used to reading books and have even forgotten about reading themselves and knowing themselves. And in a sense, you know, the church has, you know, looking at it in, in the sense of the church as well, is that we, we have forgotten about our own identity as the Methodist church. We have kind of lost that. We're, we're reading so much into society 
and reading so much into everything that's happening around us and we've forgotten about the things that are happening within us. Yeah, uh, that's why uh, that's why you've seen me posting that should we then leave the the shaping of souls to to the, the, the political parties because mm. we have largely we have largely left the the shaping of souls. We we have adopted the the, the things that one would generally think are the task of of politicians and mm. activists. You know. And I'm not saying the church should not participate or contribute to politics, but it must it, it must not be its primary. Mm. Especially mm. especially in a country where human rights are, are, are respected, there is free movement of ideas, there is free speech. Political organizations are active and engage each other. It doesn't press hard on the church. Mm to be so involved in, in a world where politics has a free market in South Africa. But one thing we cannot ever relax in is the salvation of souls and the taking care of souls and the shaping of souls. You know, um, there's, a, there's, a, there's, there's, such, there's such a high divorce rate in our country, but we're not preaching about uh, promiscuity. We, we don't. Mm. No, we there's so much teenage pregnancy, but you would never hear a sermon discouraging sex before marriage amongst teenagers. You know, they, mm. it's almost like, we, but we will be discussing things that are at Uganda, and Uganda is so far from us. We discuss. If you're sitting with teenagers, <clears throat> you know, we're discussing Israel. We, Israel. We, no, not even Israel. We're discussing. We're discussing. Uh, actually, we're preaching about Ukraine. Exactly, like Ukraine, bruh. Ukraine, and here, here, you have a person who owns a tavern and sells alcohol to people who are under the age of eighteen. We have parents who are saying, "I didn't see my child come come in at three a.m. because they usually come in at three and they start knocking at the door, and I'm like, what type of a parent is this one now? <laughs> exactly. You know, so those are the things. And this part, the funny part is, uh, Elvis, mm. when, when John Wesley was talking about the kingdom of God, mm. there's a critical thing that I think Wesley always said in our corner as members of a class. Mm. What is it that seems to hinder Keeping of the kingdom of God in our corner. Mm. Now this means I can't be preaching about Ukraine when I'm not preaching about the prostitution at Pretoria West. Mm. 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 That's my corner. Now we have largely divorced ourselves from my corner and yes. we're preaching about national issues, international yes. issues. And this is why it's it's sort of irrelevant because everyone who's in my church is at Pretoria West, is from Pretoria, but yes. I'm preaching about Putin. Yet I'm not preaching about the corrupt police in my suburb. Yes. So that is where I, I sometimes I feel like even the way we are doing outreach, it's almost like we are waiting for 
when we wake up in the morning, we want to see what's the burning issue. Then we we want to be relevant. We run for it. Hmm. And I like I like how you how you you place that. You you spoke about John Wesley, uh, speaking about you know you sorting out your own things at home and. It reminds me of a quote that I once read when I was doing some research about Bears Nodia at some point where he was like, uh, don't close your eyes to the injustices of your own country by trying to solve the injustices of another country. <clears throat> and we, we, and we, we're so fixated in trying to, to solve other, other issues instead of solving the issues of a church. I, I even I even think of how how sometimes we you know we have all these as a church as a whole like in the CQMs and all that stuff we, we always have these meetings about um, why the church is not growing but we are not looking at the main reasons to why the church is not growing and we we we, we ignore all those things you know. We we ignore the the situation of how how the church has lost its its way. How we we do not want to speak to the people of today, uh, and we're still trying to to do the things that we did twenty years ago and trying to bring them into play, and yet, you know, there's 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 that there's that opportunity for us to actually kind of transform and and change some of the ways, not change the theology of the church, but to change the ways we do things and try to bring them into play. But we do not want to do that because we are so afraid of fixing ourselves, maybe. Um, like, I, I, I definitely agree with you. Um, I always say that we can sh- we can change the way we do worship. We cannot change the lyrics of our worship. Mm. We can change. We should change the way we do church. Um, and by that, I don't, don't mean let's get away from the community because whenever people think we must do church, they mean we talk about going online. I, that is unbiblical. It is mm. unbiblical. Even Christ, the Son of God. When he came on earth, the first thing he did was gather people around him. Mm. Um, so we cannot be above our masters. Those are, they are literally just quoted Christ. No one is above their master. Yeah. You know? So it's, it's, it's a fallacy when people think making the church relevant means taking it to the website. Like, what nonsense is that? But there are, there are, there are ways in which we, we can tap in and engage. Yes. And find people where they are, you know. But in light, remember churches. Churches, are, you know, you know. One mistake that I think we are doing is this thing of let's take church to the people. That that wasn't the case. People, the church, people were taking from the world into the church. Mm. So now we have this mindset that we must take the church to the people. No, people must go out. Get people from the world, bring them to the church. It's a tried and tested way of doing church. It's been like that for 2,000 years. It's the model God gave us in the Bible. Mm. But now the difference, Tina, we are doing is 
we are, hear me carefully, mm. because we have lost our evangelical zeal, mm. we don't want, because it's not, it's not an easy thing to go to the street and spend a month convincing someone, or months, in fact, but that's what it used to be done for 2,000 years. But now our people are afraid to articulate that. In fact, let me say this. People are afraid, but they are not afraid. Mm. They are afraid, but they are not afraid. They mm. do not know how to articulate their faith because they are not told what their faith is. They are taught about social justice. Mm. Mm. So if you go to a person who doesn't go to church and they ask you, why must I go to church? A typical person our age would not be able to respond. Mm. What is what, what what is at stake? Should I die, having not been reconciled with God? Because mm, mm, mm. we don't talk about those things, so we can't articulate the necessity of people um, responding to God and then being members of the body of Christ. Because remember, one thing that I've always said, and I've said this to you, maybe mm. the problem is that the the the, the way we view the church today. We view it as an institution which has social significance. This is how I, that's the sense I get when I listen to those who will be the powers that be talk about what the church is. Mm. But the biblical definition of the church is the body of Christ. Secondly, it's the bride of Christ. Define it as whatever theologians are defining it, but as per God's word, it's the body of Christ. Mm. And it's the bride of Christ. And this bride that Christ will come back to fetch. Yes. And so there's no way a person could be converted out there and not come back to be part of the body of Christ and be part of the bride of Christ. Yeah. But because we cannot articulate that, but that's because we don't hear those kind of sermons. I can tell you, it's been a while since you, I can bet you, Elvis, you're 20 years of you, you have never heard a sermon saying the church is the bride of Christ. Bride. Maybe you would have heard about the body of Christ, but the bride, which mm. which then means the moment you speak about the bride of Christ, you are going to have to speak about the purity of that bride. But you can't have those sermons in a world where we are sleeping with our members at church. Mm. You see my point? Yeah, yeah. So, there's a, so, so the, the problem is that if our has neglected articulating the basics of Christianity, and this is why then we are struggling to grow, because it's in the basics. Why must I come to Christ? Mm, mm. The wrath of God is being revealed. That's Romans chapter 1. We don't speak about the wrath of God. We don't speak about judgment day. No, but isn't we want not. to? Isn't we want to? We want to um give give the 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 whole facade of of God being this soft loving. Um... Sissified Jesus. <laughs> that's what that's what we call him, Sissified Jesus. Yeah, <laughs> you know, and we. Well, Galatians, if I'm not mistaken, Galatians says we must preach the goodness and the severity of God. Mm. Those words, that phrase I just said is in the scripture, the goodness and the severity of God. Mm. Goodness and the or, or put in other words. In fact, it's so weird how when you read 
how John Wesley said we must preach. He always says, first and foremost, mm. in your introduction, give the gospel. The gospel is tell the people that I am going to talk about grace. I'm going to talk about the love of God. Yes. But as soon as you do that, then you go and preach the law, meaning convict them of the necessity of grace. Mm. Then after you've preached the law and you showed them their need for God, you show them the cross. So, Tina, we have just vastly decided we are just going to take out the law. Yes. And just go straight to, to the gospel, which is grace. Mm-hmm. But grace without guilt, what what's the necessity of it? Like but, I often put it to you. But do you yeah. realize, do you realize that, you know, when we speak about this whole... When people speak, especially when people speak about this whole um, difference between grace and the law, I feel like grace is even worse than what the law is, you know, in the sense of that grace looks at the, the, the even the, the nitty gritties, the things that we do not want to look at. Grace looks at all those things. It's like saying um, when 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 they say do not. Do not commit adultery, right? Uh, in terms of the law, it's just do not commit adultery. But in terms of grace, it's basically saying do not commit adultery. Do not even think of committing adultery. Do not even yes. do not even have that vision of committing adultery. Do not even put that thought in your mind. Do not do all these nitty gritties. Do not even look at your your your, your you know your your neighbor's wife. It's it's all those things. And that's all committing adultery, and that's in 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 the space where you, where we find grace. I think that's the challenging thing about the gospel. The gospel, unlike law, mm. um, they in law. When I was in law school, they taught us thoughts are not punishable. Mm. That's a legal thing. Thoughts you can literally say. In court, I do not know how many times I've thought of killing Elvis. You've done nothing wrong. Mm. Because a lot of people have said that to court. I've thought of killing Elvis. Then they get to the court and they yeah, I did say I've thought of killing Elvis, but I never said I killed Elvis. Mm. You see, that because killing is a conduct. Thoughts are just that, thoughts. Mm. But um, that's the problem with the law. The law is a do's and don't list. Mm. But the God, but the grace, the gospel of grace, grace is a character thing. Oof. So now, Come on now, we are, we, are, we, are, we are no longer held on do's and don'ts. Yes. But it's the character. And this is what, this is why I so from the fullness of your heart, mm. come out. It's not what goes in, but what comes out. Because from the fullness of your heart, that's the that's the problem, Gelana Elvis, where we just the gospel the Krupanga Lord it penetrates us. Ooh. It looks at who we are. Remember the whole the whole design of the gospel. Mm. Go back to the sermon we were speaking about. It's to restore the image of God. Oh that yes. Perfect image that when God looked at Elvis, he said, This is good. Yeah. You know, we were I was, I was speaking to oh, Okay, I'm not gonna mention names. Mm. And I was I was saying to her yesterday, listen, 
when we do bad, we are not being human. You've heard of this, Elvis, when a person does something wrong, then we're like, ah, we are all human. Mm-hmm. No. To do bad is being, is not being human. It's actually distorting being human. Mm. Because the human being was created to do good. So when we do bad, we cease to be human. But for some odd reason, society has put it the other way around. That's when we say they are being human. Which mm. human? The one that God says it is good. You are made in my image. You are fearfully and f- you are faithfully and fearfully wonderfully made. Leo human, leo noma, be holy like I am holy. Be perfect like I am perfect. Yeah. Which human being, many is being a human when they are doing crap? Which human being are you talking about? True. So we are actually we are actually being human when we do right. Mm. But so now this is what the gospel is trying to do again when it says Mina stealing the credit Yeah. Are stealing an order. Are stealing our do's and don'ts. Mm which was largely how the law would deal. And in fact, if you read the Old Testament in Isaiah, Jeremiah, God says this, there will come a time where there will be no one saying, brother, this is what God requires because the law will be written in every person's heart. Mm. I'm tired now, Elvis. (laughs) (laughs) I can feel myself getting warm. (laughs) No, no, I feel you, man. <laughs> no, this is, this is a great chat, man. Yeah, no, definitely, bro. Yeah. Definitely. definitely. We'll, we'll talk again. We'll talk. We'll just hit me up. Yeah, we'll no. just hit me up. If, if you, yeah, we'll just hit me up, definitely. Yeah, man.